Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. If you're listening to this episode on launch day, then you're listening on National Girlfriends Day. Full disclosure, that's according to some random calendar we found online. But we thought that's perfect because we decided to do something a little different. We invited back two very special guests who have been here before, Kathy Preston and Lisa Oz. If you haven't heard their episodes, I would encourage you to go back and dig into that deliciousness. But it also turns out that they happen to be great friends too. So you may notice that the length of this episode is a little longer than normal, but that's because we did a deep dive into everything from the people in our lives and where our inspiration comes from to the best advice we've ever been given and even our favorite things. So grab a cup of coffee or tea or a glass of wine if that's the current mood, sit down, get cozy, and melt into the inspiration that is Kathy Freston and Lisa Oz. Hello, hello, Kathy Freston and Lisa Oz. How are you, ladies? So good to be here. Love this, love this uh, group of women. Ditto a hundred times. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. As we mentioned before we started recording, we kind of wish we were all sitting together having a glass of wine, so we'll have to remedy that in the future. <laughs> but for now, let's just go through this. We have a bunch of questions. I literally could not imagine all the things I wanted to talk about, so I narrowed it down, and I wanted to start with a section where we have some buckets. So I thought we'd start with a section on, as apropos as this may sound, on choosing yourself. So we're all going to take turns answering this. And the first question, um, whoever wants to take it first, is uh, do you remember the very first time that you chose yourself? Kathy, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) The very first time. um, You know, gosh, I don't know. I'm thinking it's when I, I don't know why this popped into my head, but I used to work at Pizza Hut. When I was uh, uh, younger in in Atlanta, and um, I remember I served beer and pizza to this group of I don't know young I don't know if they're college kids or whatever, and someone went to the bathroom and like barfed all over the place, and it was just so horrible, and I. I, and I don't remember, and it was my responsibility to clean it all up. And I remember thinking to myself, um, I, 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 I need to choose myself better. I need to get into a position where I'm not enabling people to get sick and, and unhealthy because I'm the one who ends up paying the price. I don't know why this popped into my <laughs> I literally haven't thought about it for years. And I just thought this is not the place that I want to work. It's unhealthy food. It's unhealthy habits. And I just need to to choose a better life for myself. I mean, I needed a job. It's not like I could, you know, be super choosy, but I just knew that I I deserved better and people deserved better than to be eating and and drinking this crap. So that was kind of the beginning of the like, okay, I'm, I'm interested in health. I'm interested in, in being better. Awesome. What about you, Lisa? Well, uh, not a story of a good, healthy choice. (laughs) I wish it were. It's just, just another example of me being my typical rebel self. Um, I, I, I guess that's choosing myself because I was deciding very early on that I was going to be a little bit of a, a outsider. Um, when I went to a very small school and all the girls joined a club, two, one of two clubs. So it was a club for the girls who lived in town and a club for the girls who were in the dormitories. And nobody wasn't in the clubs. And I remember starting to the pledging process of joining this sorority. And about halfway through, I just thought, I don't like any of these girls. I don't want to be a part of any of these girls. I don't like anything they do. Mm. And just walked away. And literally, I was the only person in the school who wasn't in one of these clubs. Um, And I I think it was just the uh, setting a pattern for being able to make my own choices and live with the repercussions of those and being comfortable 
knowing that I was doing what was right for me, regardless of what was going on around me. I love that. I love bucking the tradition. I I think that's so, so gratifying. And I'm always uh, amazed that, that people don't want to buck the tradition because it feels so good to embrace yourself and say, you know, this isn't me. I know this is the way it's been done for, you know, decades or centuries or whatever. And it's like those girls groups and, you know, I, I, but I, 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 it's not my thing and I'm not going to do it. I, I love that. I love the rebel in you. I love that too. And I relate to that. I think that there's a, it's a personality thing. I think some people are afraid to go against the tribe. It's scary to kind of pave your own path and be different. You know, I think that takes courage. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we all choose where we want to do that. It's funny. There's definitely a biological drive to fit in, right? Because when historically, if we were not conforming to the group, we would be cast out, literally the scapegoat, and we would die. Because if you were kicked out of the village, you were vulnerable to wolves and bears and whatever else was roaming around on the savannah. And so I think that genetically, it, it, it is built into us to want to be part of a group. And we see that in spades today. It's crazy how people are clamoring to conform to whatever your identity is right now. But I, I do think that we all also choose where to, to stand on our own two feet. Um, and, and I think that that's part of maturation, um, as we're deciding where we, we all, we have to break free from our families and we all do to a certain extent, but I think we also have to stand as individuals within our tribes too, or else we just evolve into a society of mass hysteria which yes. we see, which we could be <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. mass mass hysterical place but yeah agree so true we're tribal it's so true it's so funny i resonate with both of your stories because i also i feel like i chose myself first when i chose my diet but that isn't even where i was going to go um i had a kind of a more i don't know nefarious version of this and it's kind of where this whole book and podcast idea of choosing yourself came from was um, when I left a really horrible relationship recently. And Kathy, you walked me through that. And it was like starting over and choosing, I'm not going to be treated like this anymore. And I'm going to pave my own path. And it's really scary. But that's when all of these conversations with my clients began to get deeper. And it was more about how you do that. How do you choose yourself? And what does that feel like? And um, it's kind of kind of crazy how that evolves. I love Juliana how you put it in the in the positive. It's like choose you now, and it's not just about getting away from the bad or the ugly or the dysfunctional. But it's like I'm going to keep back. I'm going to keep coming back to if I were choosing myself, what would I do here? If I if would I want this for my daughter? Would I want this for anybody that I care about? So how do I choose myself? And and instead of like getting wrapped up in who did what wrong. He did this, he did that, he's this bad guy. And all of that, it matters to some extent, but what really matters is, is that you say, you know, I just love myself. I respect myself. I've done so much work on myself that I want to, I, I want a relationship to resonate on the level that I've applied myself. And I'm not going to get caught up in the, you did this, and I want you to see that you did this, and I want you to see how much you hurt me. It's it's more simple when you just say, I'm just choosing myself. I'm just choosing myself. And that other stuff just doesn't resonate where, with where I am. Yes. Julian, can I ask you a question about that situation? Of course. So um, initially, you I, what I've seen, sorry, I guess I'm so tangential. What I've seen is that people continually make not necessarily the same choice, but similar choices throughout their lives. There are patterns of behavior. And when we choose a, to be with someone who doesn't bring out the best in us, is not supportive, is undermining, is cruel, we are making a choice to be with that person. So I'm just curious, when you shift away from that person, what do you choose in your life to make sure that you will not fall back into a pattern of making potentially bad choices? Great question. Great question. Keeping it real, Lisa. Thank you for that. And, you know, I, I'm in therapy to try to identify that and to figure out what it was and why I ended up in that situation and how I was able to do that. And I feel like this is something I'm working on every single day 
because I never want to go back in that direction. But it, you're right, the pattern for sure. And you want to break that pattern so you don't keep repeating it and hurting yourself. So I'm, I'm on that journey. If you have any advice, <laughs> I'm listening. No, no. I, I was just hoping that you had figured it out. So I thought it would be a good thing to share. I, I'll tell you, I, um, you know, my first book, I, I talked about, uh, you know, finding, finding really deep, soulful love. And part of that was leaving a very abusive relationship that I was in. Um, I was with a sex addict. And he was probably an alcoholic and he was very abusive, probably a borderline personality. And, um, and it was just, it was, I was so young and I just wanted him to see me as a good person and that I was worth being changing his ways for. And I, I, I think we broke up. It sounds so dramatic, but I was in my twenties, you know, so I, we broke up about seven times and every time I would get back together with him, we'd have literally maybe three, four or five good days. I mean, it wasn't even a matter of like, we had a few good months and things would snap back. It was days really. And I finally said to myself, okay, this is not going to change. By now I'm 5'10". I weighed, I think I weighed about 115 pounds. I was emaciated. I smoked, I was smoking. Um, I was I remember going home to my apartment one night and just being in fetal position and rocking. Like I just didn't know how to be. I was so, I just didn't know how to be, you know, how do I, I I know this relationship is toxic. I don't know how to get out of it. And I damn well know that I never, ever want to do this again. To your point, Lisa, how do you actually change that stuff? So for me, my process was I went to 12-step meetings. I went to um, Al-Anon, which is um, the person who's in relationship with an addict, speaks to that person, the codependency, the lack of self-esteem. I went to ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, even though my parents, I don't think my dad was an alcoholic. There was a lot of drinking involved, maybe. I went to uh, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous because I felt like I was a love addict. Um, I didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't go to therapy really. Um, but I consumed books with just a ravenous appetite, you know, and, um, and I just, every day I went to a meeting and just thought, okay, here's 90 minutes of sanity, of being grounded, of hearing other people tell their stories and that I'm not crazy. And little by little, little by little, I began to choose myself. I began to stop orbiting him that my, my, you know, the addict, I, because I was just orbiting him, he did this, he did that. And I began to take my own inventory, heal my own stuff, um, answer to a sponsor who cared about me. And, uh, and I pulled myself out of that sort of, uh, jet stream of unhealthy dynamics. And thank God I never, I never did anything like that again. That's amazing. I love what you're saying about like the little things. I think that's what I've been working on is like making little choices here and there. And then you strengthen it by seeing how it feels to choose yourself. And there's the little tiny things like I want to have tea right now, you know, that kind of thing. Or I want to actually just take a break for five minutes. Like all those little things is like strengthening that, that um, extra, that muscle, you know? So to move into kind of a um, different bucket of inspiration, this is kind of fun on a different note. What is your morning routine? How do you start your day of greatness? Uh, Well, my day of greatness is (laughs) getting eight hours of sleep. And that is like the most delicious feeling ever. Um, So I wake up, I've designed my life so that I don't have to wake up with an alarm clock. You know, I don't have children and I don't have an office job. And I really get how um, privileged I am in in having that situation, and I and I I really appreciate it. So I wake up when my body's ready to wake up, and I have two cups of tea, which Juliana knows I've had to give up coffee recently, so um, that's a little less than perfect. But I have two cups of tea, and I have a delicious breakfast. This whole thing about fasting until you know, whenever I, I'm just like, literally what gets me out of bed is thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast. (laughs) Makes me so happy. So, and then I just read the paper. I read the New York times and I, I wake up slowly and then I, and I start my day. 
I go and exercise. And then that, you know, then I work, I basically exercise, shower up, and I start working at noon. Nice. What about you, Lisa? Um, well, I, I try to read. Um, I start with a chapter in the Bible every morning, and then I'll do some spiritual reading around that. Um, and that usually is just only half an hour. Um, just to set my intention for the day. Um, and after that, it's like full on chaos and I don't have a routine at all. It's something different all the time. And thank goodness for, for a Kindle so I can read wherever I am. But, uh, that I, 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 that's how I always try to start the day. I love the chaos at your house, Lisa. I, I just know every time I've been to your house, it feels so warm. It feels so jam packed with love and activity and interest, like interesting conversations and people coming in and out. I just love, love your, um, your chaos. It's a beautiful chaos. Well, thank you. It's like a fractal, maybe. I, don't know. <laughs> I love that you start by centering yourself and that you have your set your intentions. That's really good. Good advice. Good recommend. I know you weren't giving it as advice, but I think that's inspiring. Um, yeah, I I start my day with I wake up early with an alarm. Kathy, I have a little envy, but I get excited to get out of bed because. I love my work so much. I like love my, and I have this new life now where I pretty much live alone. You know, my kids are with their dad and I get to like wake up and do my own thing. And it's really weird because I went from full house to chaos and now it's calm. So I wake up and have my tea and my coffee and go through emails and, and I start my chaos and I try to get a workout in because Kathy always inspires me to remember to go get my workout in. But, um, I have a little bit more of the chaotic type of life too, <laughs> but it's fun chaos. I love it. So the next question, I'll, I'll start the answer, is who are people that have inspired you? And of course, you two are in my category of people that inspire me, I mean, daily. And I am so inspired by so many people. I feel like this podcast has been the best opportunity to reconnect with those people and reach out to those people and get to talk to them and share why they've inspired me. So it's basically a catalog of people that have inspired me when you look at what's on the roster of this podcast. And I feel really honored to be able to, to do that. Um, what about you, ladies? Who are people that have inspired you in your life? Um, I, I would say, well, going from, um, you know, in the 12-step meetings that I used to go to, I, I was always inspired by the people who have, like, dropped to the bottom, hit rock bottom, as they say, and have, have pulled themselves up through really agonizing situations and found their peace and found their light and found their healing. I, I, I literally would, would go to those meetings looking for that inspiration because I thought if they can do it and there were inevitably much worse situations, you know, than, than mine. So I felt like, okay, they've done this. They, they, they're basically talking about their experience, strength, and hope. And I, I can do this. I can do this. So I was inspired by by the the daily travails of people who have hit bottom and and pick themselves up and then on a on a macro level i'm inspired by uh you know female badass scientists activists like rachel carson who told us if we you know keep using uh chemicals the way that we are we're we're going to kill our planet um jane goodall who who teaches about the consciousness of animals and that, you know, they're individuals and they have families just like we are. Um, Francis Moore LaPay talking about the food system in, on, on the planet. I mean, they're just women who are so smart, uh, data-driven, scientific, and who can get across ideas on a broad level so that it really affects change. They, they inspire, inspire me to be better. Love it. How about you, Lisa? Well, Kathy certainly has inspired me. Um, just always, she's done does so much and does it all with grace and equipoise. And um, I've always admired Kathy. Um, Thank you, Lisa. Oh, my wow. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, another person more recently uh, is Jordan Peterson. Oh, um, just <laughs> he's <laughs> so brave um, and brilliant. The man is, is one of the smartest people I've ever met, and I 
I know a lot of really smart people, um, but he's most of all, I think what I admire about him and is really inspirational is that he has made a commitment to be truthful. And so he really monitors himself to make, and is very careful with his words. Sometimes he'll just, um, he's become a personal friend as well. And sometimes he will just pause for a second and just to check to make sure that what is coming out of his mouth is actually his truth. Um, and I think that's something that I, that I know I'm not as careful about. Um, like so, well, someone will say, uh, oh, can you come over tonight? And I'll say, um, oh, sadly, I can't make it. Well, the reality is happily I can't make it. I'm doing something else. But oh. just, I, I, <laughs> I, I think that being careful with words, I, 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 words are so powerful. I. I think we forget how powerful words are. People used to think that the words were curses or blessings. So they'd be more you know, circumspect about saying something like, oh, I would kill him because you don't, you would never really want to do that. But why would you put that into you know, the atmosphere? So one of the things I'm inspired by with Jordan is his commitment to the truth. For those well, the just, out there that may not know who Jordan Peterson is, well, to say, I don't know who it is. Oh, like, well, he's an extraordinary psychologist, and he was, you know, catapulted into fame because he was taking a stance in Canada about this law. I can't remember the name of the law, but it was about standing up for words and standing up for freedom of speech. But then, I mean, I did a dig, uh, di- uh, deep dive into his work because I just that's how I got. I got introduced to him and he's written now three books. One was the the big, big one. Last one was a 12 rules for life. And he's on YouTube and he does Q and A's and he's done tons of videos and he's a professor and just an extraordinary, extraordinary person. I think you would love his work, Kathy, too. Mm. Encourage everyone out there to check it out. He's incredible. Oh, love learning new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's really good. Um, okay, let's talk about why well, this is a kind of an interesting question. Um, <laughs> Sanford's question. So I'm going to ask it anyway. It's kind of an interesting question. Okay, I'm going to ask you Do you consider yourself a role model? Why or why not? <laughs> Elisa, do you want to go? Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. You're I don't, I don't know that I consider myself one, but I certainly try to be, um, for my children. Uh, what, one of the things that I found very quickly as a mother was that your kids do not listen to you ever, <laughs> no matter what you say, it go, they'll just ignore it. And what they model is your behavior. So you can say, don't eat this junk food, but if you're sneaking off and having a potato chip, they are going to eat potato chips. Um, or if you say, don't be so critical and gossip, but you're doing that in front of them, that is what they will do. It doesn't, it really doesn't make any difference what you tell your children. So um, I have tried to model the behavior that I want my children to live by. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes in many cases, they are way better than I am. Um, thank goodness. But, but I have aspired to be, to set a good example for my kids. Kathy. Love it. And your kids are also accomplished and happy and beautiful. So yes, I would say you've done a damn good job, my friend. (laughs) Thank you. I I tend to think that we're all role models, whether we think so or not, because, you know, like Lisa, you were talking about, we're social creatures and we, you know, sort of are drawn to groups. And and I think that we're kind of consciously or unconsciously looking around at people, uh, you know, all the time. I mean, to see what, what appeals to us and you know, what we like, what we don't like, what we're afraid of, you know, you see someone on the street and who's just, you know, yelling at, at his wife. And I, you know, I'm thinking, oh my God, I definitely don't want to be that person who's just really public and drama and all of that stuff. So that's, you know, that person served as a, as a, you know, modeling behavior that I'm, I'm making decisions off right then. And then when I see someone handle themselves with, uh, with 
you know, intelligence and grace and kindness that rubs off on me. I just think, oh my God, I, I really want to be that person. So, um, because I'm a, a vegan advocate, I, I do kind of feel like I need to have my shit together. You know, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I always remember Marianne Williamson t- telling this story that she went into a store and I, I'm paraphrasing and I probably don't remember it you know, perfectly, but she went into a store and she was having a problem with the sales clerk. And she was kind of like really being kind of bitchy and saying, you know, you really didn't do this right. And And the sales clerk looked down at her credit card and she said, oh, you're Marianne Williamson. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, oh, right. Okay. So I, I, I have a responsibility, I think, to, uh, not be an asshole you know, not be one of these vegans who is judgmental, who um, wants everything to be perfect for them and have expectations. And I also have a responsibility, I think, to take care of myself so that I am healthy, that I look good, that I give veganism a good name. Um, so to that extent, I, I, I do hold myself accountable to some extent, but I do think we're we're all kind of role models to each other, whether in a negative way or a positive way. We're kind of always checking each other out and saying, I like this, I want to be more like this, or I definitely want to not be that, you know? I love all of that so much. And you definitely are that. And we always talk about, Kathy, we always joke about how we can't get sick. Like, God forbid anything happens to us. <laughs> I know. It would be so not a lot to be sick because it would make veganism look, you know, bad. So I know. I don't know, maybe it's enough. Uh, Psychically, I've revved myself up so that my uh, my immune system stays good. Oh, know. knock on wood. Yeah. I, I love what you both said so much. And I, I love what I teach my clients and what I always say in my audiences is, is that um, to be a, a lighthouse, not a tugboat. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are role models no matter where, where we are in life and what we're doing in life, our children, whoever's watching us, people are always watching us. And I think the most important thing, the thing I work the most on, because of course, when you're on camera or you're in front of an audience, you know, you're doing, you're being your best self. But I try to do, you know, those moments like today I was driving and someone wanted to cross the street and it's like, yeah, I was in a rush, but it's like, it means a lot to me to let that person cross and just wait. And I feel like those little moments when no one really is watching, I think that's what I'm working on is like really being, um, I guess, who I want to be in this world. I think that's a kind of an important thing that we often forget about. And there's always that person watching that you don't realize. It's like the Marianne Williamson thing. It's like somebody, you know, maybe it's that person and they look in your car and it's like, oh, there's Juliana Hever. <laughs> she was really nice. <laughs> or, or she wasn't, whatever. And so uh, you never know who's looking, who's paying attention, you know. So, so probably true. a good idea to hold yourself to high standards. That's so true. That happened to me. I was at the market the other day and the woman that worked there came running over to me and she had recognized me. I was like, oh my gosh, I got so crazy. Like I was just shopping and minding my own business. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's in my cart? You know, <laughs> you have to think right. all of right. that. Yeah, it's really funny. those Lay's potato chips, someone might see you. Oh, funny story. Just quickly. I was, at, I was shopping with Dr. Furman, Joel Furman. We were at the market because we were going to do a joke video of making really unhealthy food, like as a Halloween episode or as a what's it called? April Fool's episode. And we were buying like white flour and white sugar and lard and all the stuff we tell people not to eat. And he totally got recognized with that cart full. It was <laughs> oh, hilarious. That's, that's so funny. It's so funny. So let's go to the next bucket, which is about your partners, partners in life. And I'm curious, um, how have the men or partners in your life helped to shape who you are now? Well, Lisa, I know you've written a book on this, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it's, uh, I, I, com- I am at a loss for words because it has been of such a long time. So a moment I've been together since 1983. Um, I, and I, I don't even, rem- I barely remember who I was pre-Memet. Um, I was young when we met, I was 19. So I was, I became a woman when I was with him already and a mother and a grandmother. Um, So much of my life experience has been with him that it's hard to tease out, you know, what would have been me without him. He's had an 
incredibly positive influence on me. It's there. We complement each other actually nicely. The areas that I'm really deficient in, like, um, oh, I don't know, balancing checkbooks <laughs> or negotiating. Oh my gosh. I hate negotiating for anything. I don't like conflict. Um, he's very good at that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I become a little bit more like him. I'm less bad at it than I was. I actually walked into a store um, and said, can you do a little better on that? Which was, it pained me to say it, but they gave me 10% <laughs> off without batting an eyelash. So um, yeah, I my husband is a, a huge, or our relationship anyway, is a huge part of who I am. I love the way, I, I, Lisa, I have to say, I I... I know Mehmet also, and I have just seen the way you've influenced him. And it's, and it's a beautiful sort of flow between you. He really has taken your counsel on so many levels and implemented your ideas and really, um, uh, take, you guys are true partners. You know, it's really, oh. it's a lovely back and forth like where you say he is, he's, you know, he's more outward and dealing with conflict and, you're, you know, more of the emotional on the back channel, but I just, I just am in real, I really stand in admiration the way that you guys influence each other. Not every couple is, uh, um, so respectful of the other's area of expertise and Mehmet really does, uh, respect your input and, and moves to implement it, implement it. So I, I love that both of you have influenced each other so, so well. Oh. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I don't know that that that's and, uh, <laughs> behind closed doors. It's not always like a respectful influence. It's sometimes yelling and crying and <laughs> hitting each other with pillows and that kind of Aww. stuff. <laughs> wow, that's nice to know because it's so inspiring to hear and watch you and hear all about you guys. And it's it's so inspiring to hear that it's also real. Nothing's perfect. Oh God, no, no, definitely not. But it's yeah. all good. Yeah. Aww. What about you, Kathy? Well, I think, you know, I've just never had uh, an easy relationship. And so I think that my partners, uh, boyfriends throughout the years, and I've had one marriage, have shaped me in that I've had to find my voice being in the relationship that, you know, um, when I married my husband, I wore fur and ate foie gras and, and threw back a steak with gusto. And, you know, that's how we met, courted, married. And so then when I began to, to change, I had to really work to find my voice, you know, and, um, and that was a really positive thing for me. And even though it was hard, we, we, you know, we, we definitely had our, our differences. I, I found out who I was by pushing up against and him pushing up against me, what I, what I didn't want and what, what he didn't want. And, and we're really quite good friends now. So everything is fine. But I would say in every relationship I've been in, you know, I, I do not like conflict. I really would love to avoid conflict. Anyone who knows me is like, just, you know, can we just sweep it under the, the rug? <laughs> it just pretend it didn't happen. And I, I really, it pains me. It pains me to work through stuff. But I think because like you're always talking about Juliana choosing myself because I wanted to choose myself. Uh, it does no favor to the guy that I'm with to not choose myself because then I'm basically lying in the relationship. I'm disingenuous and he's getting a disingenuous fraud of a person. So he, he deserves better than that. So I think that the differences I've encountered in all my relationships have forced me to determine actually who I am and what my values are, what's important. And then it's taught me also these differences, how to communicate better. I think I've become a far better communicator because I really, it's so important to be, for me to have that. I just want someone to understand, uh, you know, what I need and want, and I want to understand what they need and want and to, to, to get to it as best we can and then to let it go if it, if it can't happen. So it's, it's been, um, you know, of course 
great periods of fun and connection and all of that stuff too. But in general, I think relationships have taught me to be a deeper person and a better communicator and to really determine who I am. Well, you are an extraordinary communicator, Kathy. And you, I love what you said. I was, as I was asking this question, as it was coming out of my mouth, I thought, oh, I don't want to answer this question. <laughs> And Stanford is over here texting me, say something real, be vulnerable. I'm like, because I hate talking about this, because I don't really talk about this because the one one really rough thing in my my life is my relationship department. And not everyone knows that I've been back and forth with my husband, who I also met Lisa when I was 19 years old. We met in undergrad and EMT school before because we were both pre-med. And um, we've been on and off again for 27 years, and that's kind of crazy. And I've learned tremendous amounts from that and from my other relationships in between. But I feel like I have a lot of work to do in this department. It's I, I agree. It's about, for me, finding my voice, finding what I need. And that's literally what this is all about, about choosing yourself and me saying, you know what? I want this and that's okay. You know, I don't have to like take care of everyone first. And I'm always worried about everyone. I too hate conflict. And I'm too... I'm, always trying to help everyone and take care of everyone and make sure everyone's happy. And, you know, it's easy to lose sight of what I want. And that's my lesson right now. That's what I'm really immersing myself in. And don't you think that people kind of can, can sense it? I always feel like when someone's being disingenuous and saying, oh, everything's fine. And I'm not saying this about you at all. I'm saying I, I find that when I'm around someone who's like that sort of toxic positive or just sort of like, yeah, everything's great. Something in me and my bones can just feel like "Mm, something's off, you know, and I I may not be able to identify what it is, but I just feel like something's off. And, and I, I respond as a human, I respond to vulnerability. I respond to, um, you know, people knowing their faults and struggling because their, their vulnerability allows me to be vulnerable. Like I just love Juliana when, you know, when I, cause your relationship, your crazy relationship sounded, you know, the one that you were, that was really toxic sounded great at first, you know, but when you started telling the truth and like really coming out with it, like what was actually happening, it just made me love you, you know, it just made connect with you and, and want to, to be there in, in, in a new way for you and with you. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely challenging, but it's rewarding. Brilliantly stated. Thank you for saying that. I agree. Vulnerability is easy to connect with other people because we've all been there. No one really is all perfect. No one really is managing everything in their life. Just fine. That's just not even possible. So when you see someone being open about what's going on. It's just easy to connect because we've all been there and it just resonates and it's, it's mm-hmm. real. And I love that. And, um, and it's nice, you know, you have to do that with people you feel safe with. That's a lesson I've learned for sure. Yes, 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 yes exactly. You don't open up in front of just Joe Blow, you know, absolutely. Someone has to, ha- you know, has to be safe. You have to be safe for sure. Yes. So, on a lighter bucket, let's talk about some fun things, your favorites. So first, what is your favorite meal? Lisa, would yours involve cheese? <laughs> Do I know my friend? <laughs> I'm wondering about this because I know you're both vegans. It would be like I'm going to be committing a cardinal sin if I say no. cheese. No, we love you anyway. We are not judgy. <laughs> So um, I remember there was a bunch of people, and I don't remember what the group was, but we were talking about favorite last, like what our dream last meal would be if we could request one thing. And Eric Repair, who is a friend and a a chef, um, his restaurant is Le Bernardin. And you would think as a chef that he would have something incredibly creative and um, difficult to make uh, and I, what he said was, and 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 I could not agree more. He said, "All I need is a beautiful baguette, mm. a wedge of cheese, and a perfect glass of wine." And I was like, oh. "Yep, that does it for me." <laughs> I, I second that. I, I second third. That. <laughs> well, with vegan cheese, I I oh. actually went to this place in in downtown Santa Barbara the other day, and it was pretty much what you said. It was a perfect baguette. And it, it was grilled with sort of, or like uh, 
in the in the griller with um, olive oil and salt on top, and they put mm. vegan. I think it was like an almond ricotta on top. Yeah. Oh my dear God! I don't, <laughs> and they had this like small batch organic wine from some you know lovely family somewhere, and it was like I thought I died and gone to heaven. So that sounds I'm, perfect. My mouth is watering. Yeah. Yeah. Let me go next weekend. <laughs> yeah. So good. So simple. Yeah. Simple is good. Gosh, I, my favorite meals are always super healthy, like crazy, annoyingly healthy. Like you always kind of say, Kathy, you don't say annoyingly, but it is like, I just really do love healthy food. But one of my favorite meals that are indulgent would be uh, Crossroads brunch. <sighs> mm, yeah. So yeah. good. That's pretty so, damn good. Yeah. All right. Well, what is your, okay. Other than this podcast, of course, what is your favorite resource for when you feel like you've kind of lost yourself? Like, you know, those moments when you're not choosing yourself, when you need to recenter, refocus, reset, do you have a favorite resource or so that you use? Well, Lisa. Uh, Mine is, is, this is uh, not lofty at all. And it is, there's like, I'm almost embarrassed to say this because it's so, Anyway, it is. Um, I tend to get down when I'm making bad choices for my health, which is where I go. Um, All of my negativity gets channeled into food. I I like have this need for a a dopamine hit, and nothing does it better than a carb, um, except maybe some cheese. So (laughs) definitely, food addiction working its way in there, and 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 it just is a cycle of feeling absolutely worse. Like I, I, I go down a, a deep hole of feeling bad, eating something bad, feeling worse. So when I finally check myself, the, the, by far the best thing I can do to feel better is to exercise. Now I hate exercise, but there, <laughs> there is this chick on Peloton. Her name is Jess King. I'm just going to throw it out there. She is beautiful. She is exuberant. She is motivating and she loves EDM music. And my one of my my happy place on the planet is Ibiza. So it feels like I'm either at Burning Man or Ibiza when I do her classes. And it takes me out of this horrible spiral of being like self-loathing and depression to feeling like I'm at a festival. So Jess King on Peloton. Mm. Awesome. Have to check that out. So funny. I can never see you with self-loathing and, and depression. I just see you as such a damn strong, like resourceful. You're, you're, it's, it's, I mean, I know it's true and I love that about you and you've always been honest in your books and talking about that stuff. But I, from the outside, it's like you, um, you just, you just seem to have such, uh, willpower and, um, resolve, you know? So I love, I love hearing that about you. You're human. It's, How awesome. That's my invisibility cloak. <laughs> <laughs> you do it well, sister. Uh, you do well. You're sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think I would go to quiet. I think that's my resource. I, I get overloaded. I'm an introvert. And I, um, I sometimes I just say yes to too much. And which I'm not even talking about major stuff, just like, uh, you know, getting together or just whatever. And then I, my resources, if I can just spend a few days you know, not talking and just being by myself, I will find my way through whatever I'm going through. And I'll, you know, I don't have one, I think Juliana, maybe you were asking about like a certain book or a certain, you know, 12 steps or something. And I find that when I'm quiet, the right thing comes uh, to me, like what I have to investigate. Like if I'm having, you know, whatever, uh, some sort of relationship issue or, or health issue that I, I need to figure out. I tend to find the right resource when I'm really quiet over a given amount of time where I don't have to socialize and I don't have to show up. I don't have to be on. I like to look really bad, <laughs> like, <laughs> put it like a mask in my hair and just, you know, <laughs> do mismatching sweats and like really, you know, just be in the house by myself with my dog. And I, 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 am led to the next right thing, whatever that is. So quiet is my ultimate resource. That's a good one. I feel like I've got, I've kind of developed the few that my happy places and one of them is dancing to music by myself just forever. 
And the other one is cooking. I found a lot of peace. And I used to be resentful in the kitchen because not resentful, but it was it was challenging for me because I was trying to please, you know, get meals good for my children and my husband and me and, you know, and trying to overcompensate for them not wanting to eat plant-based. And then it just used to be really stressful and it's turned into my real solace. I get into the kitchen and I just I start chopping and creating and it's like I feel so happy and peaceful and on purpose when I'm in my kitchen, which is kind of a new uh, thing. And I'm really excited about that. I wish I were your neighbor so I could come over and do the here piece. You, know, you do drive by here all the time. It's just a matter of timing. I just have little Tupperwares, a little fridge for you outside. Please, yes, the, the to-go basket. That would be perfect when you're doing your happy place. Put in the results in a little Tupperware in a, in a box and I'll stop by and pick it up. Yeah, we got to do that. We're going to figure that yeah. out. We're going we're gonna to come up with a system. Yeah. I like my that. third, my third um, favorite happy place resource that I've discovered and have been absolutely diving in is reconnecting with my friends, especially you, Kathy. Like you center me, and I feel so calm and positive after our Marco Polos or spending time with you. But I found like this, like it's amazing how powerful it is to connect with the people you love, like that your friends that have your back no matter what, your friends that like get you and will never judge you. And I mean, it's taken me till my 40s to find that, but I cherish it. Cherish mm. it. Agreed. Agreed. All right. The last bucket, ladies, and then we have to do this again over wine, the three of us someday. <laughs> what is the best advice you've ever received? Mm. Kathy, you're going to have to go first. Oh, thank you. I have no idea. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, uh, let's see. Well, it sounds like I'm just a 12 stepper today and I'm, and I'm not <laughs> it's just on my mind. So I would say, um, you know, they have this slogan called hungry, angry, low, lonely, tired. And so if you're going through some major thing and you just feel so triggered or out of control, uh, they, they say, stop and think about, am I halt, halt, basically halt. And think, H-A-L-T, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? And so address whatever comes up. Like, oh, you know, I might actually just be tired. I might just be tired and I might just need some sleep and I can deal with this uh, the next day. Or maybe I'm hungry. I haven't eaten some good food in a while, so I just need to address that. So halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Okay. That's good. You've told me that one. I like that one. I think my the best advice I've ever received, this is going to sound funny, but because it, it's so apropos because as authors, we all know how apropos this is in our life. I don't know how apropos it is for, well, I, can, I think it is. So when I, I was doing this Meals for Health program with John Robbins and Earth Save International when I was the um, executive director way back when, and we had this incredible uh, event where we led people in the, the Sacramento Food Bank through a plant-based diet, and we had these incredible transformations. So I got to spend some time with with John Robbins, who was the reason I started my plant-based journey, and um, we talked about that in our episode. But he he was signing books. He was autographing books, and I was sitting with him, and someone said to him, how are you so prolific? He just published, I don't know which book. And he looked at him, and he said, you know those pens, BIC, B-I-C? But in chair. Yeah. Exactly right. That's exactly it. You just because when you don't want to write and you have a deadline, it's like you can't even imagine how to get creative and all that. You just have to sit down and start doing it. I think that is apropos to anyone. If you have something you're procrastinating on or uh, you know, worried about, just sit down and start, but in chair. Huh. I I that's the right now, that's the best advice I've gotten because I am like queen of procrastination. But um <laughs> What I was going to say was uh, I had an acting teacher a gazillion years ago um, who said there were two primary lessons, but they were part of the same, um, sort of in the same theme. So is it okay if I tell you both of them? Because they're related. Please. Um, all right. So the first one was um, intention reads. And so he said, "What when you're in, with someone, focus on something good because you communicate on a nonverbal level mm. so much more succinctly and directly than you do on a verbal level. So you can be saying all nice things and the per what the person is reading is 
they hate me. So focus on something. And what you focus on is your reality. There's an exercise where, you know, I do it sometimes when we're giving talks. I tell people to look around the room, you know, we count to five. They look around the room and they pick three things that are blue. And then they open their eyes and they say, list three things that were green and no one can do it because you, when you were thinking about blue, you didn't see the green. So what you focus on is your reality. So in relationships, what you're focusing on, on the other person, whether you're angry. So when I'm in a fight with Mehmet, and I really just want to push him off a cliff, <laughs> I, I try and actively shift my focus to something I love about him. And it changes the emotion of the interaction, even if it doesn't change what we're talking about. Um, and the other thing the acting teacher said when, the reason he said this is important is maybe that one fight with my husband doesn't matter, but he said, how you are in anything is how you are in everything. So if you're petty and deceitful and rude in your interaction with the sales lady, like Marion Williamson's interaction, you're going to bring that same petty, obnoxious, rude interaction with your family, with your spouse, with, with your boss. So be careful how you are in any situation because it's like we have live in a holographic universe. We're all of a piece. So where and and time is really relative, right? So you don't you don't know if this is this how we are being right now is is it an eternal of how we are being? So anyway, that was it. It's intention reads and how you are in anything is how you are in everything. Love, love, love. Oh, you ladies are extraordinary, and I'm so grateful for you taking the time to hang out, and I can't thank you both enough. I love being here with you guys. <laughs> thank you so much. It was really, it was so great to, to connect with both of you. Yeah. We'll have to do it again. Yes, yes. With, with wine. With, with <laughs> wine. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So did you finish that cup of coffee or tea or wine? I hope you feel refreshed, rejuvenated, and renewed to choose yourself today. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now. And I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.